Well, praise the Lord, everyone. How many of you are hopped up on life because of an extra hour of sleep? Yes. How many of you like well-written stories? Be honest, guys. How many of you guys like well-written love stories? Keith, I see you smiling. Ross, I see that hand. How many of you like well-written love stories that can teach us something about who God is and his providence? Okay, turn to the book of Ruth. We are in for a new sermon series. And so turn to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter one, verse one. We are beginning a series. Would you stand with me after you find it? It's the seventh book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And here we are, verse one, chapter one. Here's what it says. In the days when the judges ruled, these are not good days. And to add to it, it says there was a famine in the land. So really bad times. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. That's just east of where Israel is across the Dead Sea. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. So why did they go to live there? Because there was a famine where they were, so they were going to seek food and life and what the, the just prosperity and, and, and survival. Verse three says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite woman, one named Orpah, not to be confused with <laughs> I, I, I do it all the time too. Uh, and the other one is Ruth, which we receive this book named after her. And after they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Killian also died. And Naomi was left with her two sons without, excuse me, she was left without her two sons and her husband. Some bad news upon bad news. But then verse six says, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord came to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we see throughout scripture, we see in the book of Ruth, your providence, your sovereignty looking after us in the day-to-day things, sometimes mundane things, and the things that just seem like coincidences. Lord, you are there. You are sovereign. Your providence is over us. And Lord, we praise you. This is good news to us. We receive it, Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted. Amen. You may be seated. Let's jump right into this book of Ruth. It opens pretty tragically, but it ends like every fairy tale ends, and that it ends with happy ever after. It opens with a funeral. It ends with family. It opens with a famine. It ends with the feast of a wedding. It opens with an outsider who will become an insider. In fact, the name of this series, we'll we'll be on this series for four weeks. The name of this series is The Outsider. And it's about Ruth, how she's an outsider. She comes to the people of God and she's welcomed in. She becomes one of them and she will become a great matriarch in this story. So we will spend the next four weeks seeing what we can glean from this book. 
Anybody catch that pun? We'll get there later. If you didn't get it, we'll get there. Three points today. The first point is this. The book of Ruth's particularities show us God's providence. The book of Ruth's particularities, like the things that happen in this story, show us God's providence. And so I'm going to, under point number one, we're going to talk an overview about the book of Ruth, and then we'll get to what this whole thing of providence is, and I will define that word for you. But first, a little background on the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, uh, it's, it's one of only two books in the whole Bible named after a woman. The other one is Estra. Uh, what? Esther, that's what I said. Someone's throwing me off up here. So Ruth is this story about an outsider. She's not, uh, she's not of Jewish descent. She's not an Israelite. And she comes in and God miraculously, beautifully shows his providence in her life by allowing her to become one of God's people. And she will become a matriarch in the line of David. More about that to come. But what we see in this short book of Ruth is just four chapters, about 80 something verses is the story of a family going to Moab to, to flee from famine. And then one after another, the husband dies and the two sons die. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of death. It is. And that's what happens in famine. People don't have enough to eat. The, the slightest sickness would take someone out if they're gaunt and they're sickly and they don't have enough. That's what famine does. It's a horrible scene. I'll paint that for you a little later in this sermon. But Ruth is a Moabite. She marries one of the sons of Naomi. Uh, Naomi's husband dies. The, the sons die, which leaves Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha. And Orpha decides to stay in Moab. And Naomi, and for whatever reason, loyalty, friendship, providence, Ruth decides to go with Naomi back to Naomi's homeland, making Ruth an outsider there. And God does his work. There's this phrase that we'll get to later in the sermon today. Like it just so happened as coincidence would happen uh, that Ruth is working in the field of the man she will marry. Do you know his name? Starts with a B ends with an as Boaz. Yes. So in this book, Boaz and Ruth find each other. They end up getting married. There's more to the story in that he's related to Elimelech, Naomi's uh, husband that died. And so he's like this kinsman redeemer that restores the prosperity in the land back to Naomi's family and Ruth by marrying Ruth. It's a beautiful, well-written love story that shows God's providence. Providence is a theme in the book of Ruth. That's the theme for this sermon today. But we'll get to other themes too. There's friendship, there's loyalty, there's a conversion. I mean, Ruth says she's going to make the God, Yahweh, Naomi's God, her God. So we can look at conversion in the story. We can look at the theme of redemption because Boaz is like a Christ-like figure that redeems Ruth and Naomi and this whole story. There's wonderful themes in this very short book of our Bible. And the ending, the ending of the book of Ruth is like a zinger because we find out that Ruth is going to be in the line of who? 
King David. And then Jesus ultimately after that. And so if we read this story, because it seems like just a everyday kind of mundane story about a girl and she goes to one land and then she's brought to another and she's kind of an outsider. She becomes an insider. It's just, it's, it's nothing like huge, like the splitting of the Red Sea. There's no like huge miracle of God in the book of Ruth. And yet something happens awesomely because this mundane story turns into David's line, which ends up being Jesus' line and how the Lord redeems all of humanity. And so it's kind of like this, the ending of the book of Ruth shows us something by which we're supposed to like reinterpret the whole book by, uh, from there. So it's kind of like, I apologize for the, the, comparison, but it's kind of like this movie I saw a long time ago called The Sixth Sense. Anybody see that film? I'm about to horribly spoil it for you, but it came out a long time ago. So in The Sixth Sense, there's this kid, it's fiction. He can see dead people and talk to them. It's a very dark premise, but the other main character is Bruce Willis. And you watch this whole movie and the kid and Bruce Willis are hanging out and they're doing all this stuff. It's, it's bizarre. And, and then at the end of the movie, you find out what? That Bruce Willis is dead. And you're like, oh my gosh, mind blown. And I, maybe like you, had to rewatch. Like I immediately have to rewatch the movie with that knowledge because it was like this ending twist. And so uh, forgive me for the comparison, but the book of Ruth just seems like it's a mundane story and these details, it just so happens. And then she meets Boaz and it just so happens this and that. But then at the end, you find out Ruth is a descendant. She's actually David. David's great-grandmother. And by David's line, the Messiah will come and the whole world will be redeemed because of Ruth. And you're like, wow, this seemingly mundane story just got a whole lot more interesting, right? Right. And so if we look at the book of Ruth from this perspective, we can see maybe that the most important thing happening at that time, like Ruth, let's for round numbers sake, lived around 1000 AD and other things going on in the world at that time, the Mayan empire in central South America, you had the Zhou dynasty in China, you had the beginnings of the Greek empire and, and all the glory that that would do uh, in the world. And you had uh, kind of like the old way of like the bronze age to the Iron Age was right around when Ruth lived. And all these things all over the world happening, actually the most significant thing in the world at that time was this little mundane story of Ruth. That she, in, in just so happens to be gleaning from a field from Boaz, would actually be a descendant of David, who would actually be a descendant of Jesus, who we believe and we proclaim fully God and fully man. And that man part of Jesus, fully man, would come from Ruth. And so you're just like, wow, this whole story, seemingly mundane, seemingly day-to-day stuff, is actually quite important, which in my mind gives me encouragement that maybe our day-to-day lives are actually being covered over by God's providence. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. 
Here's the way I wrote it down. The, the days that seem ordinary, the days that seem ordinary in our lives, they add up and we become the people of our ordinary days. Like sometimes we just think that the only thing that matters are these big, awesome things in life. And it's like, well, that, that does matter. I'm not down, downplaying that. But what also matters is the day-to-day decisions, the day-to-day righteousness, the day-to-day following God. Amen? Amen. Okay, point number two is this. Let's now talk about this providence thing and the providence theme we see in the book of Ruth. God's providence in our daily life. God's providence in our daily life. Let's talk about that. God is not mentioned that much in the book of Ruth. He's talked about, but the narrator doesn't ever like say, and this is the great work of the Lord. There's no big miracle in the book of Ruth, but rather what we see are day-to-day decisions of the people and God's providence working over that. So let me define this word for you. If you're writing down definitions, the definition of the word providence is this, the protective care of God as a spiritual power. Providence is the protective care of God as a spiritual power. And when we look at the text of the Bible, I think we all probably love the big, awesome miracle stories, right? Like they make the children's stories, they make uh, great lessons, they are the big booming things of God showing himself, these sign miracles in the text of scripture. Think about like the Red Sea getting split open and people walking through on dry ground. That's awesome, a miracle. Think about uh, Mount Carmel and Elijah calling down the Lord's fire and fire coming down from heaven and this huge sign like God is here. He is awesome. He is God. Or David going out as a young boy with basically like a toy, a sling and looking at Goliath and saying, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord almighty. And this day I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And yes, of course we love those stories. Those miraculous stories of God's power. But you know what? I think they're actually probably few and far between in the text of scripture. I believe in miracles. I I love praying and uh, hoping that the Lord will act and he's watching over us and he's guiding us. And we as a church, we believe that the Lord is at work amongst us. And yet I think if we were all honest, we would say, well, the, the real miracles, the real power of God that I've seen in my life it's actually kind of been few and far between. They're very special and very miraculous and very hopeful. And my faith is filled up when we see them amongst us at New Life Manitou, in your own lives, in the world around us. But they're probably actually few and far between. If you look at the pages of the Bible, 10,000 something years of human history, man, there's, there's only so many miracles in that book. It seems like the Lord is at work much more often in the day-to-day workings of life. Let me tell you a joke. You like jokes? Okay. I heard that this was just a joke I heard as a kid a long time ago, and it kind of became like this parable. Like I think about this, this joke all the time that there was a guy in a house who lived in a flood zone and the waters were rising and it kept raining and water went into his house. Then water goes up 
to the first story. He goes to the second story. Water goes up to the second story. He goes up to the roof and the water is continuing to rise. And he's a man full of faith. And he prays to God, God, would you save me? And he really feels like God is going to save him. And some neighbors who are also in the flood situation, they make a little raft. They get some, uh, I don't know, some wood, put it together, some barrels. And they, they like paddle by and see this guy. And he's like, quick, get on. The waters are, it's still rising. It's raining out. And the guy's like, no, the Lord is going to save me. And then like another neighbor comes by in like a fishing boat, like trolling around. He's like, all right, get in quick. We got to get out of here. The waters are rising. He's like, no, no, no. I don't need your help. The Lord is going to save me. And he's standing on his roof. The, the water's still rising. And then like the U.S. Coast Guard comes by with the helicopter. They drop a line with the harness. They're like, get in, hold on, strap on. You're, we got to get you out of here. He's like, no, no need. God is going to save me. And then sure enough, the waters continue to rise. The guy is swept away. He dies. He goes to heaven and he points his finger at God and says, God, why didn't you save me? I prayed. Why didn't you save me? And the response, have you heard it? The Lord says, I sent you the raft, the boat, the helicopter. Like this, isn't that the way it sometimes works out? We see this phrase in the book of Ruth. We see this phrase, as it turned out. Everybody say that. As it turned out. Now, other translations say, it just so happened. Or I was talking with Jerry this morning, and he's like, oh, it's just like coincidence. And Lorelai was there. We're like talking about the coincidences of the Lord. We see this phrase, as it turned out, in the book of Ruth. That she goes about her day-to-day business being a holy, noble woman of character. And then you get to verses like this, Ruth 2, 3, where she just so happens. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean. So that means uh, we'll talk about this later, maybe another a week that you're, you're getting the, the harvest left over that it's kind of a, like a welfare system in the ancient world where you wouldn't take every little bit of grain from a field. You would leave some so the people could go in that had nothing and they could glean from the harvesters. But anyways, she enters a field and began to glean behind the harvest. And as it turned out, everybody say that word, say the phrase, as it turned out, it's like it just so happened that she was working in a field who belonged to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And if you remember, uh, Elimelech was the husband of Naomi, same clan. This whole story is turning out because of the providence of God. And be encouraged this morning. Like, doesn't it seem like our day-to-day lives are just what it is? You know, the day-to-day things, there's nothing awesome happened, no giant miracles, maybe some bad news, maybe some hard things, day-to-day stuff, kids, the school, the work, the things of life. And it just so turns out that sometimes we see this great working of the Lord. There is a holiness to to going about your days in prayer and hard work and discipline. It's our days that make up our life. And many times I think we can get jealous of like, uh, honestly, like loud, obnoxious people that kind of make the headlines and do these big, awesome things. But really, it's the quiet, faithful Christians who will reap a harvest of righteousness. Can someone say amen to that? 
All right, Ruth 3.11 says this. Um, it's talking about this idea of just being noble and in character and discipline and hard work, that Ruth is one of these women. It says in Ruth 3.11, and now my daughter, so this is Boaz talking to Ruth, don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. All the people of my town know. They know about this foreigner. They know who Ruth is. And they all know that you are a woman of noble character. That's what we should desire in our lives. The same kind of noble character that, that we see here in Ruth is the same language used in Proverbs 31, a woman of noble character. Let's talk, continue to talk about this providence. This is point number three, the last point of this sermon about God's providence in hard times. Point number three is let's talk about God's providence in hard times. Because this is the question. You know, we, we could all think, oh yeah, God's in charge. Things are going well. It's a great day. We got an extra hour of sleep. Yes, hallelujah. God is good, right? Amen, amen. Yeah, brother, sister, it's all good, right? Yes, amen. And then when hard things happen, when tragedy strikes, when we go through affliction, it is very easy. And maybe many of us have been through this. Maybe many of us know friends or people that have in hard times asked, God, where are you in this? And have turned away from the Lord because they just like wonder, how could a good loving God allow this to happen? Well, we see some hard times in the book of Ruth. It's not just a whole fairy tale story. It kind of ends with some good news. It kind of does end happily ever after in the book of Ruth, but it doesn't start that way. Ruth goes through horrible days. Ruth chapter one, verse one says that in the days when the judges ruled, have you ever read the book of Judges? It's one horrible story after another, very depressing. Murder, rape, savage stories, death. Like the best story in the, in the, the book of Judges is the story of Samson. Have you ever like read the non-children's book version of Samson? It's horrible. He like falls in love with a girl and like she betrays him and he's, his eyes are gouged out. Good night. And then like the, oh, the redeeming end is that he pushed pillars down in a building he's in, crushing himself and a whole bunch of his enemies. And it's like he killed more people in his death than in his life. I'm like, that's a horrible story. Like it's like, have you ever stopped to think about like, that's the best the book of Judges has? Like these are horrible times. So the book of Ruth opens, chapter one, verse one was in the days the judges ruled. These are bad times. In fact, the book of Judges even says that in chapter 21, verse 25, everyone did right in their own eyes. Like people just did. There was this, this, uh, this idea that you just did whatever you wanted to do, whatever you thought was right that's what you did. Kind of like the world today. It's a very sad existence where this morality is just up in the air. And not just that. So in the days when the judges ruled, is when Ruth happens, there was a famine in the land. So like bad times on top of bad, bad times. And we, I'm very grateful that none of us in here have any idea, including myself, what a real famine is like. I mean, there's many of us in here, we go through tragedy, we go through job loss. Maybe some of us have been in and out of homelessness or needing assistance or struggling. And we as a church, we have assistance, we help. We have a partnership with the Manitou Springs Pantry. We have a partnership with Springs Rescue Mission. We help people who are in need. And we have just, we have 
really good blessings among us compared to the ancient world where if there was like a crop failure, like whole city populations would die of starvation. And the idea of a famine is something so far, praise the Lord, it's so far from our world in our minds. Um, there, there was this book I read. It's a non-Christian book. It's called The Road. It's by Cormac McCarthy, a non-Christian author, but he paints this picture of what a famine would be look, look like in the modern world. And he, he goes about these details of this book are that there was some devastation in the world. He doesn't really get into that. It just starts with like, there's, there's a son and a, and, a, and a dad and they are caught in this world where there's no crops growing. And there's like people that have banded together. They're breaking into homes. They're breaking into buildings. They're stealing all the food. And as the days and the months and the years progress, these kinds of evil people get more um, just, just desperate and they actually go after other people for food, like cannibalism. And this, sorry to put that image in your mind, this is the image of what famine is. Like it is so far removed from our world, praise the Lord, but things were really bad. What I want you to get from what I'm saying now is things were really bad in the book of Ruth and they flee to Moab. And then the Lord is at work. His providence brings Ruth back to the land of of. Israel and she, an outsider, becomes one of the insiders. And the Lord is at work. And she could the whole time question, well, where is God in all of this? And she would have looked around and seen that it just so happens that this detail and this detail get put in place. And although there is death and although there is cancer, there's natural disasters, sometimes we don't know where these things come from. In fact, it's, it's pretty a bad idea to go about guessing where they come from. In fact, it just so happens that last night I was reading the Bible with uh, Erica and the boys and we were, as it just so happens, reading the passage of Jesus and the blind man. And the disciples have the audacity to come up to Jesus and ask him, why is this man born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be blind? I mean, what a horrible question. I mean, the guy's standing right there. Like, I just imagine this scene is like Jesus answers. And he's like, it's, it's no one's fault. And he goes on to say that this is going to happen so that a miracle could happen. But in many of our stories, we ask the question, or we have friends asking the question, like, where is God in all of this? Where is God in the hard times? Well, his providence is still around. He is still a good God, even in, the, in the, the situations that come to us seemingly out of nowhere. There's a word uh, that has a really interesting etymology. Etymology is like how we get words. Uh, the word is influenza. Anybody, have you heard the word influenza before? Uh, so, so people use the word just as sickness. Uh, people even talk about like a stomach flu. And it's like people would get sick and people die. And people often wonder, well, why do some people get sick? And why do others not get sick? Why does one family get hit really hard with the sickness and another family totally fine? Why does one whole city get, get stuck with like, 
So many people dying, and especially in the ancient world, no hospitals, no, no modern medical things like we have. And other towns are totally fine. Why does it hit one country and not another? Why do we go years without? And then all of a sudden, like a whole bunch of people get sick and there's plague and there's pestilence. Well, to explain it, the etymology of the word influenza, do you know where it comes from? It comes from influence, get it, influ, influenza, influenced by the stars. That people would just say, well, this is just the stars. It's just, you know, destiny that some would die and some would not die. And it's just like bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to Naomi. She lost her husband. She lost both of her sons. And out of that devastation, like she's now having to care for Ruth, a a daughter-in-law. And for some reason, Ruth decides to go with Naomi and they go back to this land and the Lord takes care of them. And what is the deal with bad things happening to good people? Well, here is a solution. I'll get to it in just a minute. It's going to be Jesus, by the way. But in Psalm 119, this psalm, it's the longest psalm in scripture. It says that before I was afflicted, I went astray. And there's something to be said about affliction leading us to the Lord. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian theologian of uh, just one generation past ours, said that pain is like a megaphone to a world. And it's God's way of getting our attention. And doesn't it so often when we go through hard times lead us back to the Lord? Well, the answer in all of this, the, the, the answer, it may not seem like an answer, but it is. The answer to the problem of evil, the answer to suffering is ultimately found in the suffering of Jesus. That Ruth herself is pointing to Jesus, that she's in direct descendant to David, who is a direct descendant of the coming one, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who lives and reigns, the one by his death and suffering. God himself, he's not far off. Like some people would say, like a deist would say, if you, if you know that term, that, that God just wound up the world like a clock and kind of set it down and God's got better things to do. He's, he's over here and he, he's got bigger fish to fry than like our day-to-day life and our prayers. No, 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 no. That's, that's a heresy. That's not what we believe at all. We believe that God, fully God, fully human, Jesus came to this world, a dark world, in order to suffer and to die for our sins. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? The band's going to come. We're going to sing a song about how good the Lord is. But let's take a moment and pray. Let's, let's think about our day to day. Let's think about the mundane in our life actually being holy. And so, Lord, we give you this time. Lord, we give you the, our thoughts. We give you our heart this morning. But we ask you in your your great providence to work in our lives, the day-to-day righteousness, the day-to-day discipline, the day-to-day following of you, that we might reap someday a harvest of righteousness. And it's only by your work. It's only by your grace. It's only by you, Jesus, your death, your blood shed for us, your body broken for us, that we can live, that we can have your grace, that we can have your mercy, that we can have your providence ruling over our lives. So Lord, with this, we pray 
We seek you, we prepare our hearts to come now to your table, to receive of the body, to receive of the blood. So with these things, Lord, we pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Brett, would you come and lead us to the table?